When was the last time you were conscious, you were aware, you knew that you are loved? What pops into your mind? You are loved. Early on when I was ordained, I served as a school chaplain. It was a church and a school. It was an Episcopal school. And I got to work with preschoolers all the way up through jaded senior high kids in high school. Um, and as an Episcopal school, some of, our, some of our students were Episcopalian. Some were Christian of some sort. And many were not. Um, but it was really fun that we got to lead chapel for the littler ones just about every day of the week. And I remember talking to my mentor, we're talking about how, you know, most, most of us who preach a bunch, we really have one sermon that we give over and over again. And I started thinking about that, and I was like, yeah, I guess every time I talk to these kids, at least, I, what I'm really saying is, you are loved. And it came out wrapped in different ways, it came out with different um, illustrations, different expressions, but when I would look out at this sea of like 400 kids in the chapel with me and their teachers and a smattering of parents. There's so much hope and possibility in that space. And I felt it such a privilege to be able to offer them a slice of, of something deeper, something bigger, something greater, something that if they work together, they could be a part of something greater than themselves. And I thought, what do they need for that? They need to know that they are loved. And when we know we are loved, the sky is the limit. We can do anything, right? And I wonder for some of us, when you think about the last moment you knew you are loved, did it, did it come quickly? Did it make some, take some time? Is it from an experience or a moment that you've had recently? Or one that you had to reach further back in your memory for? You are loved. The first scripture reading we heard this morning from the Hebrew scriptures from Deuteronomy. God has drawn near Moses. Moses has drawn near God. Moses and the people of Israel have been making their way through the wilderness. Moses and God are shaping the people of Israel into the people they are called to be. So that by the way they are, by the way they interact with each other and with other peoples, they will reflect and reveal God's way. Love. And as Moses is giving them this sort of pep talk, he offers them the Shema. Hear, O Israel. Listen, Israel. The Lord your God is one. God is your God. Echoing the first commandment, you shall have no other gods but me. There is a, an author that's written collects that go along with the scripture reading. Stephen Shakespeare is his name. And I, I popped the, co the collect um, that I'm going to draw from in our worship email yesterday. But there's two phrases that really speak to me with the lessons this week that he uses. The invitation is to shed all that burdens the lightness of life. What are we holding on to that is weighing us down from experiencing the lightness of life? So this week we are invited to shed all that so that we may live God's kingdom life above all things. 
so that we may fully step into that space where God's kingdom is the most important thing. And through that lens, the rest of our lives, the rest of our actions flow. Moses is offering to the people, God is your God. Live the kingdom life. Live with this so close that God loves you and through that love you are called to live with intention, with purpose, a kingdom life. The Shema is part of the Jewish prayer tradition and it's something that would be said every morning during prayers and every evening during prayers. There's even language in the lesson about like bind it, place it on your forehead, bind it on your hands, make it a tangible, real thing that shapes, that informs the way you go about your day, the thoughts that you have, and the actions that you take to live out this love, this reality. The other thing Moses invites the people to do is to teach this to their children and to their children's children. Make this a living tradition that is carried on and on and on. And the people must have, because a long, long time later, Jesus encounters a scribe, and Jesus repeats these words back to him. Oftentimes when Jesus encounters a scribe or a Sadducee or a Pharisee or some sort of religious leader or religious scholar, Oftentimes, they don't see eye to eye. Oftentimes, the religious professional is saying, but wait, 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 what about these rules? Or what about, what about these practices that are so important to us? What about um, all of these things that we are following because God has said we need to follow all of these rules? And Jesus is frequently the one that's like, that's important, but, or that's important, and... There's this deeper thing going on here. Can we meet in the deeper level, that space where we may find connection? Oftentimes when Jesus encounters a religious professional, he is asked a question, and then Jesus responds with a question, and then the conversation unfolds. Um, I don't think this is the only time where Jesus doesn't respond with a question, but in the gospel from Mark that we heard today, when the scribe comes up to Jesus and says, what's the most important, what's the most important thing to do, Jesus answers, and he answers with this bit from Deuteronomy that we heard, with this bit that God offered to Moses and Moses offered to the people and the people offered to their children and their children and their children's children on down, still lives today. God is our God, there is one God, and Jesus adds a little bit extra from Leviticus, so still from the Hebrew scriptures. We are called to love God with all we have, with our thoughts, with our mind, with our hearts, with our feelings, with our strength, our might, with our actions, with the choices we make in our lives. And then the scribe's like, Teacher, well done, which I chuckle at today, thinking a religious leader of the time is saying to Jesus, the Son of God, good answer. But I'm so used to thinking that the scribes are coming from the wrong place, that they're kind of stuck up high here in all the 
little tit-for-tat sort of rules and ways of being, that they often miss the big picture. And I know I can get caught in a cycle where put people into categories, you know, kind of like, oh, okay, so we're gonna, we're gonna be in alignment on this, but maybe not on that, or, oh, if I know that they think this way, and we're not alignment here, then we're probably not gonna be alignment somewhere else. I know that I find myself falling into that trap all the time, and that's part of how we make our way through the world, right? We do categorize and put people into categories. But Jesus, he didn't. I would imagine he was not expecting this exchange to go the way that it did. But Jesus, as sort of the ultimate expression of the best ways of living this life we've been given, Jesus enters into this conversation with this scribe, with this religious professional. And Jesus is like, yeah, I got the answer. And the guy's like, you do. You have a great answer. And it's biblical. It's scriptural. And the guy sort of changes the language a little bit. So you can see, like, he makes it his own as he shares it back to Jesus. And in this relationship, in this back and forth in the conversation, they come and wind up at a a different place. And I would suggest it a, a deeper space. They've settled into a deeper place of connection. It's a reminder to me that when I want to start categorizing someone based off of something I know about them, that the invitation and the challenge in this life and figuring out how to be human together is to continue to stay open and to seek those places of deeper connection. Earlier this week, I listened to a Zoom conversation um, something I love about the pandemic. A lot of places are bringing together interesting people or interesting talks, and they're more accessible. Um, So a church in New York brought together the five black women who are currently serving as diocesan bishops. Bishop Jennifer Baskerville Burroughs, she was the first bishop who was elected to the diocesan bishop position in 2016. She was there with four of her other colleagues, and then they all wrote a book together during the pandemic. And so this interview is about that experience and the experience that they have had in the church. Um, And since that book was published, two more black women have been elected or are in the process of being elected to serve as diocesan bishops. In our church, you know, the diocesan bishop, it's an executive position that carries a lot of authority. And Bishop Jennifer Baskerville Burroughs, she was talking about, she was, the, she was the first one, she was the first black woman moving through this experience. And she talked about when she was approaching the time when she'd be doing the walkabouts. They have um, bishops in the sort of election process spend some time walking about to see the places, but also to meet the people whom they would be in service with. And she said, the best advice that she received, she approached that, was her mentor said to her, as you are doing this, ask yourself, can I love these people? Are these the people I am being called to love? It's one of the things I love about church is that we bring that language into the work we do. 
is that we bring the language of prayer. We bring our sacred stories and our spiritual experiences into the work, choices that we make. At St. John's, the vestry, the leadership, we've been spending some time these past few months wondering who St. John's is called to be as we move forward these days. I've also found myself, I'm, I'm so proud of Marin and the strides we are making to be responsible citizens with the pandemic. And I'm aware, aware that we're in this place where we, we are emerging, but we're not done with it. We're still in the midst of trying to figure out how to make best decisions to keep everybody as safe as possible. But as we are emerging, I'm noticing like, it's hard. There's some days where I find myself out and about a lot, and I come home really tired. And I realized, you know, a few years ago, I wouldn't have thought twice about that sort of day. But I've spent a lot more time at home and been a lot more intentional about when I am interacting out and about. And it, it does drain my energy some. And there's other moments of gathering where I've been with friends um, in, in simple ways and in more grandiose ways where I just felt this experience of like, wow, we get to be together. Um, I practice yoga. I've done that for a long time. And during the pandemic, I practiced online at home. And now that things are easing and I'm starting to go practice in the studio again with other people in the room, it's just like being in church with other people together. There is something that happens and I'm like, wow, we get to do this. I never would have thought that that was a privilege or a luxury a few years ago. We get to be church we get to be the people of St. John's. We get to be God's people, making an impact, doing something that not only serves to love each other and ourselves, but also serves to love outside and beyond our easy reach. So I started to say the vestry, we're, we're thinking about what, what that looks like. And we're seeking your voice. We would love to hear your feedback. Because the world is different. And I imagine we are looking for different things, or maybe we're looking even more so for some of the old things, but in different ways. There are post-its in the back that you can jot some notes down. There is an online survey that's gone out a couple of different ways in an email that you can jot some notes down for us. We are seeking to hear what the Spirit is doing at St. John's so that St. John's can lean in together and be about service in the world. Um, a mentor of mine uh, asked this question of churches when he's working with churches. He said, if your church were to disappear tomorrow, what would be missing? What would be missing from the neighborhood? What would be missing from the lives of those people who make the church? Wonder what that is for you. Who is St. John's called to be? Who are we called and how are we called to love?